My name is Gary Bontrager. I am your host at Mindset Growth Podcast. I have Heather, my co-host with me today. And I am excited for our guest here. Um, it's it's interesting. We connected on LinkedIn. So anybody that wonders if LinkedIn works, it does. It mm-hmm. makes some really great connections. But really, uh, our guest and I, we first connected just over some posts that we both had commented on or a post, I think, maybe that she had put out that I liked. It seemed like we share a lot of the same uh, interests and maybe uh, connect on how we uh, view life and some things like that and how we serve other people. So what are, what was something that inspired you when you were doing some research, Heather? Well, the first thing that, that popped out to me is your, um, overseas move. That's got to take a lot from a person. So we'll get to that, but that definitely caught my interest right away and how, um, I kind of read about your story of, of some background stuff and, and, what you went through after the, or what she went through after right. the move. So well, we'll get into that. Well, with that, we want to welcome Jenny Maxwell to the Mindset Growth Podcast. So welcome, Jenny. We appreciate you taking the time to join us here and share some of your story and what your passions are as well. Well, thanks for having me. You're both delightful already. <laughs> well, thank you. We love having you here. So thank you for being with us. So with that, go ahead and tell us a little bit about where you grew up, how that was. Uh, We like to let the listeners know, you know, a little bit about our guest as far Mm -hmm. as where do they come from? It helps kind of connect, connect with uh, sometimes that's a lot of the story of where we end up in life is how we start. So if you would share that with us, I'd appreciate it. Well, I don't sound like either of you, so clearly I'm not from here. I was born in Dublin in Ireland, and I spent most of my life there. Um, I moved to the United States in 2011 with my husband and my two boys. But when ask me something about Ireland, have either of you ever been? No, but I want to visit Ireland so badly. It's definitely on my bucket list. Do you want to know how many times I hear that, Heather? That it's on somebody's bucket list and I'm like what is stopping you if only there right. were planes right. to Dublin if only <laughs> if only well maybe we, we need have... we need to connect here and figure out the best route because we've talked about making that trip for sure well yeah but you can't now you can't go unless you bring me because okay. I have right. to guide you I have to guide you <laughs> through all the cathedrals and castles and pubs yes. there you <laughs> and go all through the farmland and everywhere else so I'll just so, have to that Come sounds intriguing. Uh, yeah. But growing up when you were young and a small mm-hmm. child, did you grow up in like a rural area? Were you in the city? Uh, how did you grow up? I grew up in the in the suburbs of, of Dublin. My family actually moved four times in Dublin. And then we settled on the north side of the city. And myself and my three brothers, you know, we live very close to all of our family, my aunts and my uncles, all of my cousins. And we all gathered in my Nana's house every Sunday and stuff like that. So yeah, Dublin, definitely not in inner city Dublin, but in the suburbs for sure. So I had the, you know, it's very accessible. Ireland is a small country and getting around there is very easy to do. So I grew up having the benefits of having parks and green areas around me, but also being able to get into town pretty handily as well. So what's a cultural difference you see in the United States compared to Ireland? Uh, You just mentioned the family, basically how that family structure is and how close you were. Is that a common place in Ireland or is it something more that your grandparents would have put a lot of emphasis on the family connection? That's an interesting question because I thought that, you know, when growing up in in Ireland, people say all the time, oh, everybody is so friendly there. There must be a great sense of community. And I believed that until I moved to the Midwest. Mm. And I was like overwhelmed by how we were embraced as a family when we moved to the United States, like to the point where I was like, oh, my God, this is too much. Because in Dublin, You know, we grow up and we have walls around our gardens outside the houses. And then when we moved to the United States, it was like all of the houses just they kind of backed the gardens all back. All of the kids were like flying in and out and you have like a kid's face up against the back door, like knocking. Can your kid come out to play? And I was like, there's like no boundaries physically (laughs) or 
but it was it was actually incredible we were included in everything oh come for thanksgiving come for this what do you need and how can i help and i thought wow there's a really great sense of community in the midwest that i didn't experience growing up and the other thing that irish families and this is very general so if any uh, if you've other irish listeners <laughs> and they feel like I'm wrong, they can DM me on LinkedIn <laughs> and let me know. But my family did not come along to all of the events that I was in. Like I was a theater kid. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't um, a given that my my cousins and my aunts and my uncles and my grandparents would come along and see every show. Or if my brothers were playing, you know, in a football event or something in, in a game, you didn't see the whole family line up to support. So that was very different moving here. It's like, oh, wow, they actually have an even greater sense of family over here. <laughs> I feel really bad that like nobody ever came to see my kids play something when we were in Ireland. So there are culturally, I think that is something that really stood out to me when I moved here is that sense of community and how families show up for one another and show up for the grandkids or the nieces and the nephews. Um, I was kind of a little jealous, to be honest. I was like, oh, that would yeah. have been nice. <laughs> well, I, I feel what you're saying there. Can I ask you where in the Midwest you live? I live in St. Charles in about an hour and a half outside of the city of Chicago. Okay, perfect. Yeah. So I lived in uh, Phoenix for six years growing up, and there wasn't as much of a sense of, of family there for those type of events either. So now my kids growing up, in Iowa, in a, a very small town, there, there's family everywhere for every event, every spring concert, you know, that you mm -hmm. have to suffer through. I'm sorry, kids, but it really <laughs> is. It can be a suffer. It can be painful sometimes, but it's it's still a wonderful experience for them. And I'm glad that you get to enjoy that now and that your kids did. Well, yeah. And then I wonder, because when we decided we were going to move, my husband gave me three options. Hmm? He said, we can go to L.A., we can go to Charlotte or we can go to St. Charles. Uh -huh. And I was like, well, I, I don't want to go to L.A. because I had only been there once and it was not a place that I thought I would thrive. And I, I had visited New York, but I mean, New York was like and I was only ever in the city, but it doesn't seem that far away from Chicago, but it's so different there. Right. Uh -huh. You know, even how yeah. the energy and how people talk to you. And even though that wasn't an option, I already knew I didn't want to live there with my kids. Charlotte, I had only flown in and out of, but we had we had come through St. Charles several times per day for work. So I felt like I knew a couple of people here already and I kind of liked the environment. So it felt like a good bit you know sure. but i wonder if we had moved to charlotte if i would have had the same experience i definitely don't think i would have had that in la that I, sense of <laughs> i think in charlotte you'd have had a little bit more of that experience uh maybe not so much as what you have in the midwest but it's a very the southern culture culture in the united states down there is very warm mm -hmm. and they're very neighborly as well uh the midwest does have a unique feel to it and i think you certainly would have felt something different on the west coast so oh, and north and north sure. and the northeast even is the same it would be more like the west coast they're a lot more independent and things like that and i just i don't know why that is that way but mm -hmm. you know i'll i have crossed paths with people that have moved into the midwest even from other parts of the united states and they're amazed at the warmth that they feel uh, and yeah my kids grew up running you know riding bikes up and down the streets with the neighborhood kids and you, mm -hmm. you just kind of that's that was how life was but uh we're gonna move on a little bit uh one thing that we like to ask everybody that we bring onto the show is uh what your morning routine is and not always do you know not everyone has one but often we find that people who really focus on personal development or just are focused in life in general, have some type of routine that they follow. So I'm just curious if you have one and if so, what does that look like? I do. And I didn't used to have one, but I, I certainly do now since I'm a coach. Okay. Um, so I set my alarm 15 minutes early so I can press snooze uh -huh. <laughs> every morning. And um, so that goes off at 545 and I know I have to get my teenager up out of bed in 15 minutes, which is not always a delight, let's face it. <laughs> so I spend 15 minutes 
what do, what, what do I want the day to look like? And I try and reset uh, my mindset towards the positive and mentally rehearse a positive outcome with whatever is coming my way. Because it is possible to do it and you can use the mental rehearsal in the negative and it's probably... <laughs> You know, it's it's super powerful, but it's not going to serve you. So I try and mentally rehearse a positive outcome. And then I the first thing I do when I sit up is drink a large glass of water, greet my dogs. And then I feel like I've already shown up for myself twice and it's not even five past six. And you're not even out of bed yet. (laughs) Yeah, I've just gotten out of bed. (laughs) My dogs are like ready. Uh Ready. (laughs) And I'm like, no, give me 15 more minutes. (laughs) I like that you bring up the mentally rehearsing mm-hmm. part of your morning because I think a lot of us do that but we don't put intention to it we don't we just kind of think of everything that we're going to go through through the day and kind of you automatically have those thoughts of well this could happen or this could happen and it could mm-hmm. go this way or it could go that way so I think that when you put intention to it and say no this is the day I'm going to have and this is the way it's going to go there's a lot of power to that there absolutely is it's why athletes like Tiger Woods use a mental rehearsal there's there's power to it and you know in can I share something about like my the training piece of coaching please for me? yeah please I have to share that I thought when it got to this piece about mental rehearsal I was so resistant to it I was so resistant to it I'm like this seems like it's not even a real thing and I don't want to do it. And I felt like I was, it was like an allergic reaction mm-hmm. so much. So I'm embarrassed to say I made it very difficult for other coaches in training to coach me on it. And it wasn't until my coach got his hands on me and did, did, did a little deep dive. And what, what I experienced was, Oh, now I know what the resistance is, is that when my parents were going through what ended ended up being a breakup in their marriage, they were throwing all sorts of positivity into the day. So my dad would have us um, recite these affirmations on the way to school. And sometimes we'd have our friends in the car, super embarrassing and super uncomfortable. And I was resistant to this like positivity based on my experience as a child, because these affirmations did not reflect what was really going on in our home. And I said, I don't want, I just, I don't even think that's a real thing. But the deep dive was really useful because he asked me this really powerful question. And he said, what do you think your parents' um, positive intention was for, for trying to set you up for the day in that way? And I zoomed out and I was like, oh, wow, they were actually doing everything they could to keep the family together. And he was like, right, so if you could go back and knowing what you know now, what would you, what would you tell them? I said, I, I, I would say, thank you for trying everything. And even though right. it didn't work out, thank you. And it just created this shift in me. And it unlocked this. It's like something cracked wide open in me that day because I'm like, oh, wait, I've been doing this mental rehearsal stuff all my life because I started dancing at the age of seven. And I was the kid that never got the steps. So I would go to class and I would struggle and stumble. And then I would spend the next four or five days going over it, running it through my head, like all the time, all the time, all the time until I got it. And that became a muscle memory. And then I I took it with me everywhere I went. So when I became an actor, that's how I ran lines in my head relentlessly. Or we'd go and do a show and there'd be choreography and I would get the steps and I would run them and run them and run them. And then I noticed that we do it naturally when we tell ourselves, oh, I have to go to the store. I have to go. I don't know. I have to go and get grapes. We visualize ourselves in the store getting grapes. That's a mental rehearsal. Yeah. So it suddenly became very easy to tap into that because I'm like, that's a muscle memory. I just wasn't even aware that it was available to me now. So setting myself up for the day, you know, not every day is perfect, right? But if you have to have an uncomfortable conversation with your 15 year old (laughs) by six in the morning, you can mentally rehearse a positive outcome. The like the chances are it's going to work out because you've already slowed your role a little bit. And by the time you get to the bedroom door, <laughs> you're calm, you're ready, you know what to expect, and you show up as the best version of yourself. That's so that's, that's that's very my- that's very powerful. I think so often uh, people respond 
in what they think is just reactionary. Mm-hmm. And so many of those things, even on a lot of the negative reactions we have, we have groomed those over the years, or I certainly experienced that in myself. And it took a lot of effort and time to replace those negative reactions and rehearsals with something that's positive. So for anyone listening, that is very important, hugely powerful, how we set ourselves up, uh, explosive outbursts, things like Uh that. Those are things that get rehearsed. Those are things that become muscle memory for people. And it's, it's, to me, it's, I challenge, would challenge anyone to figure out how to, take that and flip it over into a positive muscle memory. I don't know what your thoughts are on all of that, but that's, it's, it's a a powerful income outcome. If you can really replace those negativity, you know, negative actions and you really can, but. Yeah. Yeah, you can. And you know, it's, it's, you've hit on something even more powerful. There is learn giving yourself pause so that you respond and not react. So right. even that, you know, the 15 minutes or the two minutes extra in the shower or the, the, the couple of minutes in your car where you turn off the radio and you silence your phone and you're, you're present with yourself, it's a gift of time. But you're also hitting the pause button so that you can slow everything down in your mind and in your body. So you show up as the, as the best version of yourself, which is the version that you want to give everybody that you love. So that pause button is so valuable. And the sooner, the better we learn that time is a gift and nobody's going to give it to us. We have to steal it away so that we can access that pause so that we do respond instead of reacting. It's a way to de-escalate a lot of times rather than just continue to escalate the situation as well. I love that. It's uh, something we deal with people all the time on because it's, it's we become reactionary or we become intentional and we, the choice is ours, but we've made the choice both ways. So that's yeah. important. Yeah, it's very true. We're going to move on to some rapid fire questions for you. That was the only scary thing. I was like, <laughs> I, don't I wonder what these are going to be. Okay. Well, rapid guess fire what? questions. Could yeah, be anything. <laughs> it is. But we're going to start out nice and easy for you. Okay. Okay. <laughs> What's your cell phone wallpaper? should know this oh my kids that's a book my kids that's pretty common that is very very common common. i would answer the same right Mm -hmm. so now the next one is what is the last book you stopped reading and why oh gosh i am notorious um I don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) So I just did a clutter. I I just decluttered all of my books and gave them away. And oh, I know what it was. This is terrible. I opened it because my brother sent it to me, but he's trying to make me um, be vegan. Okay. So he sends me books Uh and I'm like, but I don't want to give up meat. <laughs> I, I appreciate that you that you prefer not to eat meat, but now I feel like you're pushing, pushing. me into this and I don't want it. So I was resistant. <laughs> so I started it and then I gave it away. That was probably <laughs> interesting. Yeah. That is Sorry. understandable. Yeah. That is really- <laughs> That's funny. Full disclosure. Sorry, Graham. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Graham. She's going to have herself a nice uh, meaty sandwich for lunch today. Probably. I know. Yeah, it's all I'm thinking about now. <laughs> <laughs> all right. What is the most useless talent that you have? Oh, my gosh. I can't believe I'm going to say this out loud. <laughs> I can recite the opening title sequence of the a-team tv show no kidding i'm not doing it right now (laughs) so embarrassed i'll send you a voice note afterwards and i will recite it yeah how about that for useless is this something that you um learned because you enjoyed it or is it part of your acting for helping you learn lines or i think like I, maybe it's a special gift I should tap into. I don't know. <laughs> but when I was a kid, like and my mom does this to me sometimes. She'll sing the the opening. Um, she'll sing the first few bars of a show and see uh-huh. if I can name the show. Sure. So I can remember dance steps that I learned when I was five. I can remember um, 
Like I could probably recite the whole of The King and I or The Sound of Music or any of those musicals because I love them so much. And Saturday night TV when I was a kid was always the best. So myself mm-hmm. and my brother would get ready and snuggle in and watch The A-Team. <laughs> and we loved it so much that I think he can also do it. <laughs> I'm so excited. And when I sometimes I'll voice note him and I'll do it and he'd be like, Jenny, stop, because I know it's going to be in his head all day, uh-huh. too. Yeah, that's a useless talent, but I it is it. one that I possess. <laughs> I love it. It's amazing when you're when you're young, how how you can remember things like that and you never yeah. lose it. It's like it's always with you. I'm gonna, yeah, I can't remember my kid's cell phone number now, though. So what does that tell you? Well, but <laughs> that's we changed a lot. Yeah, we can all relate. I there's a fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I know every word to that opening song, but I have a hard time remembering what I even wore yesterday. So there you go. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I can relate. Yeah. It must be the short-term memory as we get older that creates a problem for us. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) We know that you moved to uh, the U.S. from Ireland uh, Mm -hmm. due to your husband's career. And uh, would you talk a little bit just about the emotion of that? Because that's, that's, you know, it's more than like, we just talked a little bit about the culture in the United States and the opening of this. I can't imagine what that would be to go to another country. And maybe Ireland again is not that different. I've not been there, but that had to be some emotion leaving family and things like that. Uh, Yeah, it was really not very easy. And I think I had not I didn't have an understanding of how challenging it was going to be and the impact it would have on my physical and mental health doing it. But the reason that we did it was that Dave travels for work all the time and he had been so busy. He was actually only home for five days in six months that year. And I felt like we were at breaking point anyway, because I already felt like I was a single mom home with two boys. And he had mentioned moving to the United States. And I thought, well, I didn't want to go in my mind. I was like, I don't want to go. But if I say no and he stays, will he always resent the fact that he didn't have an opportunity to try something? So I decided that I was going to go through with it because he'd had a business in Ireland and the recession had closed the business. So he was back out on tour. And I thought, like, who am I to say? no to something when I have no idea of what could happen if we just tried it. So I I told myself we were coming for a year. Mm-hmm. And uh, my father was like, you're packing your whole house up. It doesn't seem like you're going for a year. But I think that was a way for me to just go through with it. And I remember March, the, we moved on the 3rd of July. And the following March, I said, OK, I think I'm ready I want to go home now. I want to go back. But Dave was like, I'm not going back there. Look at what we have here. Right. So then I felt like kind of really stuck because I thought my kids have settled into school now. Dave is really happy here and he's doing really well in business. And I felt like I didn't have a voice. So I I just put up in a, in a way. I put up with staying, but I also leaned into this um comfort zone of playing the blame game well now I have to stay because the boys are happy in school and now I have to stay because Dave doesn't want to go back there and I don't have a choice and and I played that game for a really really long time so um that was the reason initially that we moved but it was it was the nine year stint in between where I was desperately unhappy that I think I discovered (laughs) by the end of it I discovered oh I do have power I do have a choice. I can make changes here. I can I can make something for myself. But it 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 was a long way to get to the point that I'm at now. Does that answer your question? Yeah, I feel like absolutely. I went around in a giant big circle. No, that answers it. And I guess my question to follow up with that maybe is: Is that when you kind of took yourself on this personal growth journey? Ah, uh, yeah, and I I didn't even do that deliberately. Um, sadly, mm-hmm. I think I. I thought that my voiceover career would transfer over here, but, you know, I don't sound like anybody. So I get the Kerry Gold ads once a year (laughs) on the radio. I do those voiceovers, Um, but I did not have the same level of success as a voiceover artist in the United States for obvious reasons. And I tried my hand at, um, I I taught dance and I became a fitness instructor and nothing really lit me up. Mm -hmm. 
And um, it was a friend of mine who said to me one day, would you volunteer? Like, would you would you give your time and, and volunteer at our non-for-profit? And I was like, fine. Uh, you know, it's a couple of hours on a Wednesday. Let's see what happens. And I loved it because it took me outside of my own pain and misery. And I realized, oh, there's there's a way for me to help. There's a way for me to help in my community and feel useful because everybody wants to feel useful. Yes. You know, and I, I felt like the guilty part of me. And, you know, I, I felt such guilt about wanting something more in my life. I'd hear people say, you're so lucky you're so lucky you don't have to work. You're so lucky you get to stay at home with your kids. And I'm, I'm like, yeah, I know I am. And why do I feel so guilty for wanting something else? Mm-hmm. There's something missing. There's a piece of me that I handed over when I became a mom that I want to get back. I want to create something that's just for me. And I had no idea what that would be. So getting into the non-for-profit space, I was really curious about what else was out there? And I started like running mini fundraisers in my house for various non-for-profits. And then I guess it was, it was the, it was Christmas day. We were at, we're friends with the head judge in our County and we were over with his family and he had just been part of a fundraising event that I'd ran for um, a homeless shelter for this non-for-profit that takes care of people without any, um, any shelter. And he said, come and come and take a tour of the juvenile center. And I was like, why? And he said, just, just come. Let's just go this week. I want to show you around. And I could not believe, first of all, this building was 15 minutes from my house. It was totally hidden. It was part of court services, but nobody to this day, so many people don't even know that it's there, even though I'm shouting about it all the time. But what I was so curious about was the system they had in place to try and get the best out of these kids who are in there for multiple different reasons. And I was like, how can I help? How can I help? And they were super resistant to me <laughs> and I persisted. It's like, but I'm, we're doing all of this work on the outside. Like, why can't we bring it over in here and see how maybe we could support the kids even farther? And they said, but nobody's ever asked us this. They were really questioning my intention. Sure. And I'm like, I got no skin in the game other than I love helping in the community. Like, how can we, how can we generate more for your staff, for the kids, like more, more, more. So they let me in. And for about, you know, a couple of years, we ran fundraisers. We, we changed things up in there. Like even what was available to the kids um, in the store, like what they could, what they could buy. Mm -hmm. They started asking for different things like motivational posters and stuff for their dorms and, like it was just phenomenal. It was phenomenal. And then I had this idea of what if there was a way to connect all of the non-for-profits and give the kids a choice in, in you know, the path that they decide to take beyond this, um, this holding center, basically. Because where I noticed a disconnect was like some of the kids were going to go on to jail when they aged out or if you know, whatever the charges were, when once they're 18, they had to leave. Some of the kids were going into foster situations. Some of the kids were going to group homes and some of them were going back to the source of the problem, the reason they got into here, this in the first place. And I was like, how can we pattern interrupt this behavior and get them on a new path? So I very crudely drew this map to your future. And I went to the program manager and I said, if they had a choice, right, and if they they, the choice was that they they didn't have to do this exercise or they could do it and they didn't have to share it or they could do it and share it with their probation officer. This is what it would look like. They would draw, you know, they would choose something that they would love to do, that they might love to do in their life. No exceptions. And they would put this down the bottom right hand corner of the page and their name would go on the top left hand side and then they would draw this map down to where they wanted to get to, but draw in the obstacles that they thought might be in their way. And from their obstacles, we could connect them to organizations and non-for-profits to help them overcome them. Oh, wow. So, and I had no idea that this was like coaching or anything, because what it really is, is like, it's no different to what I do 
now because we in our head we generate these obstacles but when we write so the program manager loved it we got approval and we 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 ran with it and we we test drove it on this one kid who straight away knew exactly what she wanted mm. and she knew the five things that were going to get in her way and we were able to show her what if you could overcome them using this method and it was it was just like creating a new path and i thought like this is something very interesting and this if i could do this for a living i would do it for the rest of my life because it felt so different to what my habit was in the past which is telling people what to do whereas you know like coaching is all about empowering the other person to make a choice that feels in alignment with the person they want to become wow. so that put me on the path um of getting certified, becoming certified. I went through the Health Coach Institute and that wasn't enough for me. I'm like, well, now I want to do their mastery program because this belief and identity stuff is so juicy, I can't re resist it. And here I am today. And I just wouldn't have changed a thing, not even the nine years of unhappiness that I experienced while I lived here it showed me exactly how strong I am, <laughs> how resistant to change I was. But it also now I look back and I think, you know what, I pretty much can get through anything because they were hard years. I can I can do I can I can do good things. I can do hard things. We want to thank Gary Bontrager Consulting for being a sponsor on the Mindset Growth Podcast. There's a variety of services they offer. They have human resources for one. They have a sales program. They also work with the financials, whether you need to help set up your QuickBooks or go with a high level person that can help you do benchmarking, budgeting, and the likewise. They also do a lot of leadership training, whether you are the business owner, manager, or are just leaders in departments. They can tailor those packages for you. Reach out to them for a free consult, and they will see what your needs are and offer different opportunities for you to put in motion to take your business to the next level. They have been successful over the past few years in helping organizations not only grow, but grow as much as two, three, and 400% in a 12-month period. Certainly, they understand it takes a strong foundation and there are years where there may be no growth leading up to this as they put the right pieces in place. Reach out to them at www.garybontrager.com you can reach out to them on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter and get the free advice that they offer. And that may be just what you need to set you on a different path to lead you forward and be successful in your business and your life. We appreciate them supporting us. I'm, I'm curious. Uh, I love your story and thank you so much for what you give back to your community because <laughs> it's people like that that make this world so much better of a place than what it is. And so... I appreciate that. But even beyond that, the thing that I want to really point out to the listeners, and I, I'm sure this makes sense with you as well, but I know for myself to even get into coaching and really what helped me through the darkest days of my life simply were helping and serving others. Mm -hmm. And I think the, the point I like to make here is the fact is once we can take the focus off of ourselves and maybe the miserable position we believe we're in, and we can focus on others and helping others, we're really just shifting that mindset and our focus onto something greater and better. And it really changes how we function in life and what we end up getting out of life because we're starting to give back rather than trying to just take. And I don't know mm -hmm. if that's how you've seen that un unfold or develop for you, but I know that's how it worked for myself. And, uh I often like to encourage people and it's interesting. I, I'm curious to know as these kids started to figure out how they could draw their map to get down to that end goal. I mean, was there a way to measure the effectiveness of that? Because I will usually recommend when people are struggling with something to try to get involved in just any type of um, nonprofit. I mean, I don't care if it's a local rotary club, your local mm -hmm. chamber, homeless shelter, just get involved in something because it starts to shift and take chip away at that self-pity and self-loathing that we do. But was there any way for you guys to measure the progress of these kids and the outcomes when you started using implementing this program? 
So because the kids are under 18, they need a waiver to participate in this. Okay. Which then took me out of it, it took me out of the whole process. Like I basically created this like little mini program and handed it over. Because if a child was to work with me, they could get themselves into trouble by sharing something because they're not before the judge. When they're in the detention center, they haven't gone before the judge yet. So it was very important for them to work with their youth counselors and also their probation officers so that they could share freely what was going on without like getting themselves into further deep water by working with an outside person. But what was noticeable was the fact that they they all realized that they had a choice because it's not something that they ever thought was available to them. Um, Like even being in the center, they have to get up at a certain time. They have to dress a certain way. They have to eat at a certain time. They've got to go to school. They've got to exercise. So choice is out there. And when they're outside, like a lot of these kids are in gangs and they also don't feel like they have a choice because they've grown up. It's been a generational thing. You know, I've heard some of these kids say, or like the program manager asked one, well, what do you want to do when you're, what would you love to do when you grow up? And he's like, I'm going to go to prison like my dad and my brother did. Mm. Not realizing that there was another option. Right. So when they're asked these questions, if you could do anything, what would they be? I mean, 80% of them want to be tattoo artists, which I think is <laughs> is brilliant. Like they want to do it. And the art, the lady that, that actually helped create the the map. She was an artist. She would plant that seed of, well, you know what? You make more money if you learn how to remove tattoos. And they'd be like, oh, really? Because they're very driven by money too, right? Like anybody else, I guess. So there, I guess a way to measure it, for me, the successful part of it is if the kid even decides not to do it, then they've made a choice and they can stand behind their choice. And it doesn't mean they can't change course later. They can, right. of course, do this at any time. But the successful part for me, Gary, is the fact that they get to make a decision on their terms in that moment. And it's going to be OK. And they can whatever s- they decide will be the right thing. And they can understand or begin to understand that they have choices in life in general, mm-hmm. I well, guess. So rather yeah. than something being just a part of life and that's the way it is, recognizing mm-hmm. it as an obstacle being something that can be overcome that's yeah that shift right there is is huge too it is huge and like we're all the common denominators in all of our problems like that's the truth when you discover oh i'm feeling sick today and i feel bad and i could blame this and i could blame that and you realize oh wait no i ate this but i know this doesn't agree with me like i'm the obstacle yeah right i'm the i'm the root cause of of my feeling this way but to go back to something that you mentioned a couple of minutes ago about like giving your time to non for profits that is a perfect way to shift out of that negative space because what you're focusing on is being helpful instead of successful yeah and that is like so powerful yes. you're not in it to try and get something else out of it. What you're getting out of it is the fact that you've set aside your own need to be right or your own misery for just a moment. And you're giving over your time and energy to somebody that that really, really, truly needs it. And that is hugely helpful. Just to add to that, I see a huge shift when people decide they want to focus from being successful to maybe being significant there's a huge difference and they transform in that in that transformation in between those two because usually success is measured with money is typically what comes to us and it's all about accumulating and accomplishing things and it doesn't mean that a lot of people who have significance in their lives don't have a lot of money Mm -hmm. it's just the focus is completely different and if we're going to be significant we also have to give back to others and serve other people. And we have to take a lot of focus off of ourselves. Whenever we're just focused on the success side, typically it goes back to the money side and that becomes back to the self-serving. So it's, uh, it's not a, I, I don't have any science behind it. I just know that when I work with clients, once they come to the point that they want to, they want to, you know, maybe bookend their life with significance rather than success. Mm-hmm it usually shifts how that, how that moves forward for them. 
Well, agreed, because success and perfection, you you measure it according to whom. Yeah. You yeah. know, and with kids around here who went to the same school that my kids went to and the, the level of stress and pressure they were on because their parents were driving them. You it's unacceptable. You have to get straight A's. I'm like, my question, did you get straight A's in school? They yeah. usually no. So their intention is good. They want their kid to have a greater experience, but it's at all costs. Right. So these kids are burnt out with sports. They're burnt out academically. They don't know who they are. They're put on some track in school because they're good at math and they're good at science, but they don't necessarily love that. They didn't want to go on to college, but they feel like, well, you know, I'm not anything if I don't go and get my bachelor's degree. So I, I'll just choose something. That's and like that was not important to myself and, and my husband. We're like, I want my kid to have a happy childhood. I want them to do the best they can. I want them to figure out something they love doing and go explore it. And if you can make a career out of this, it's going to change shape anyway. But start right. somewhere, start doing something that lights you up. So when Jonah came home from, he had my eldest, is, he's a sophomore now in college and he's a film major. So he was ridiculed because of the college he was going to and, the, and what he was studying by all of his friends, all of them, because they were all going to do medicine and they were going to do engineering, yada, yada, yada. Three of the kids, two of his friends switched colleges because they were so miserable. And three of them switched majors in the first year because they realized this is exactly what I don't want to do. And the root problem was that their parents were not actually asking if you could do anything, what would it be? They're telling them, well, you know, this is a good career path for you. And yeah, the intention is good. But what about the young person in front of you that might want to have a say in all of this? Yeah. Exactly. So, so that whole thing, like when when I love it when people say to me that they, they want to achieve more success. And I'm like, right. How do you measure that? What lets you know that you're successful? Right. And they have absolutely no measure of it. They just know that they're chasing something and they don't even know what it is. And that is the perfect way for them not to be present in the moment. <laughs> they're like futurescaping into some, you know, whatever I have right now is not enough. I need something else. And well, the, what, if the, what if the opposite of that is actually true? What well, if, well, their target, they have no clear target. No, because there's no measurement of it. And they're hoping that once they arrive where they think they're going to arrive, mm -hmm. that they have all the peace and happiness that they can want. And it's usually more emptiness and yeah, loneliness. So true. When so, you're so working true. with people on what is their vision of, of success, what do you find that you're mining it down to normally? What are people after they get rid of the, you know, I, I need to make x dollars a year then then i'll be happy what are they actually mining down to okay this is success this is happiness on some level heather mm -hmm. they are feeling completely unworthy mm -hmm. of that success that's mm -hmm. what it comes down to there is a deep rooted scarcity mindset of not being enough or not having enough mm -hmm. and that is what they're chasing and it's usually not their story it's usually something that they learned as part of their upbringing when they were very, very little. You know, if mom and dad are going through some financial troubles and they're hearing things in the background, this this little person decides something about themselves in that moment. And that probably sounds like woo woo for to a lot of people, but it's the truth. No. Absolutely. I was working with somebody yesterday and um she is so worried about money all of the time. And she's like on her husband, all that they're, they're traveling. I think at Christmas, they're traveling somewhere and he's notoriously late to book everything because he has a growth mindset. He doesn't worry about money at all. He has enough money, you know, whatever. And she's the opposite. She's constantly trying to get the better deal. She will drive 15 minutes out of her way to use a coupon, even though it's using up so much gas or whatever. And he finally had enough. Her husband finally had enough. And he's like, what is this fear around money? So we did exactly that. We did this money mindset exercise. And what she discovered was that that's her mom's story. Mm -hmm. It's her mom that is too nervous to put the heating on in the wintertime because she's afraid she won't be able to pay the bills, even though 
they have more money than they can ever spend. So that goes back to her upbringing. So my client realized that's not my story at all. It's my mom's story. And I I don't want to pass this on to my kid. And I was like, well, congratulations on creating on creating a break in the in the pattern of behavior. So how can you lead by example here so your child doesn't have to worry? So that that's very powerful when a person yes. realizes like, oh, it's not it, this isn't my thing at all. It's not I've been worried about this my whole life, but maybe it's time to let it go. It's so important because all of us have that in one way or another and we don't realize it. We don't realize the baggage that we are carrying that is not our baggage. It's so true. And then when, like I say, we lead by example for good or for otherwise. Mm -hmm. So that question in the mornings, folks, how do I want to show up here? What are my fears? Do I want to project my fears onto my friends and family? Or am I willing to do the deep dive and overcome these fears and then step into this future version of me that feels powerful and, and knows that I have options and I have choices? and lead by example so that my kids don't have to worry the same way I did when I was little. They're going to have their own fears anyway, but you can pattern interrupt that behavior if you choose to. Absolutely. I mean, we uh, we see that all the time. I experienced that as a child too with childhood things I grew up with. Uh, I can echo when it comes to my kids. I, you know, I want them to do nothing but something that they're happy with. Uh, I think there's times parents are successful financially and they want their children to follow them into that business or whatever they're doing. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot more about, uh, it comes back to success or, you know, do you want to live with significance? And uh, so that's, that is huge, uh, I think, but I'll let you take the next one. Well, we, I think, have covered pretty much, you know, we wanted to know what led you into coaching. And I think we kind of talked about that. But if you want to talk about that and where your passion came from a little bit more, you know. Well, I guess I have it. a question on that note. So you helped develop this program for this uh, uh, children's, uh, I guess, home or facility. Back to your future for the, for the juvenile center. Yeah. yeah. So you helped create that. But it was kind of something you created, but it was a dead end for you in the sense that you couldn't teach it and keep doing it. But out of that, you know, somewhere then you decided you wanted to do this personally. Mm -hmm. Was that a 12-month process, a three-year process? I mean, was it as you developed that whole program that you got into coaching yourself and took some training and things like that? So here's what I did. I road tested that map on a neighbor. Okay. Because I noticed she was sitting in the same mindset of like, I don't have any choice here, you know, and she didn't know what to do with her life. And she knew she wanted to create something and she didn't know what it would look like or whatever. And I was like, would you be willing to do this exercise? So she did. And she came up with two or three obstacles. And of course, it was the same thing. And that's what made me realize, oh, my God, the kids in the center are no different to us out here. Mm -hmm. We sit right. in this, we create this story that we don't have a choice. But that's just a story and we can change the story if we choose. So she went through this little exercise and she established that like, oh, yeah, it's me getting in my own way. Yeah, I do have options. I could do this or I could do that. And she went on and got a job doing something else. I can't remember now. And I was really curious and I had two friends um, who I knew were coaches. One was working for a company hired as a coach she didn't have her own business but she worked for Lyra Health I think and then this other friend of mine had done a coaching program but she was working in HR like for some corporate job and I had two two different things come my way the one who was coaching for Lyra Health said oh my gosh Danny you should totally go for this if nothing else you learn so much about yourself regardless of the business you learn so much about yourself and I was like I like that and the other lady was like, yeah, you should do it because it's really valuable, but you'll never make any money being a coach. Mm -hmm. And I was like, straight away, I thought, oh, this is reminding me that seven years ago, I looked into the Health Coach Institute and I was at such a low point in my life. I had no self-esteem and no confidence. I hadn't shared it with anybody. And I 
mentioned it to this one person who I thought was a friend. And she came back and said to me, well, if you ask me, I said, I'm interested in becoming a coach. She said, it's a BS career and it's not even a real thing. And my self-esteem was so low is that I believed her and I took her at her word. So when it showed up again, I knew I'm not the same person that I was back then. I'm not the same person I was a couple of years ago before I started volunteering. So I heard you know, from this other lady, she's like, you'll never make any money as a coach. And I, and I was thinking, okay, watch me. Yeah. That but was I, how yeah. it was different for me. Uh-huh. So I went and I found the, the program again. And I, I took a, they call it a clarity call. It's a, a sales call, but I took their sales call yeah. and I was like, I think I'm ready for this. Like, no matter what, I'm ready for this. And what was so beautiful about it was like six or seven, I think it was seven months it was a seven month program, but I was actually my first client. So I got to take the journey myself first. Mm-hmm. And I saw so much change in me. And then for my kid, and this usually makes me kind of tear up a little bit. My eldest said to me one day in the kitchen, he's like, you know, I don't remember the last time you got annoyed. <sighs> and it was like this happy, sad moment. I was so happy because I knew my communication had changed so much that it had brought down the tension in the house significantly. I was able to access that pause button before I like lashed out or said something that I couldn't take back. So it was seven months for the first certification. And I started working with a couple of clients. But when the mastery program, when I discovered that and I'm like that's the really deep dive yeah I want that Mm -hmm. I want more I want to figure out like I want to help people discover the source of the issue where did this start and how to create like new behaviors and new habits and to really do some healing be a little gentle with this younger version of you that's like holding on to everything that's keeping you stuck so it was it was like magic you know, I'm like constantly checking their website saying, is there something else I can do? Do you have another program? Is there another way I can learn? Right. Because there's always room to stretch and grow, especially as a coach, I think. So you just mentioned that it changed the dynamics in your household. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have to believe it strengthened every relationship with your boys, with your husband, yeah. uh, probably even your neighbors. Do you, yeah. do you feel like your neighborhood's maybe even different than it once was? You know what? Yeah, because I'm not the people pleaser that I used to be. Yeah. So I used to believe I had to show up a certain way. And in a way that was like playing pretend, like trying to keep everybody happy, where I had to do some clearing of clutter with people that I was giving my time and energy to neighbors, friends. Like I didn't fall out with anybody, but I definitely reset my boundaries and started to question, like, is this? person somebody that I want to be associated with like I think I was so desperate to fit in moving over here I tried to morph into what other people what I thought other people wanted me to be right so it was difficult for me to be myself during that time and then I think you to be honest I think I was my whole life as that person, that people pleaser. I think it's why I got into the entertainment industry. It was perfect. I could play a character. I could play a character. I could, um, you know, I could have the the light shone on me. I grew up in a household where my parents, there were two very big personalities and I never really felt like I had a voice as a little person. So that stayed with me for most of my life. So rediscovering who you are and being okay with being yourself and not feeling like that it was a bad thing to say no. That was the biggest right. thing I think I learned is that, oh, I can say no to things. I don't have to go along with this behavior. I don't have to try and fit in. I'm perfectly happy being myself. And if my neighbors and friends don't like it, that's okay. Yeah. That's on them. <laughs> I think we carry so much guilt. It's somewhat human nature, but we carry so much guilt for the events and the occurrences that maybe surround our life. And that's where that is. Uh, that's where a lot of that comes. What you're talking about is just, it's that guilt from the past that probably isn't even ours. It was, like you said, maybe it could be our mothers or fathers. 
What are a couple of steps you would recommend to people? And I'm not asking you to give something away necessarily for free, but if you've got a person that's questioning how do they really maybe find true happiness in their life, what are a couple of questions you would recommend they ask themselves or just quick exercises? And it might help them understand that I need to connect with somebody that can help mm -hmm. me because we cannot always do this on our own. No, and I, I still work with a coach right. every week. I, I love it. And we don't have to do it on our own. Like, I don't know when it ever happened that we thought we had to be an expert on everything. You know, I'm yeah. not like, I'm not going to change the electrics in my house because I'm not an expert. I'm not going to do the plumbing because <laughs> I'm not an expert. And when it comes to mental health, sometimes we do need to work with somebody who can help us become the best version of us. So yes, I have two exercises. Number one, Copy and paste what I do in the morning and ask yourself, give yourself that couple of extra minutes, whether it's in your bed or it's in the shower or it's in the car where it's just time to daydream to ask yourself that question. How do I want to show up today? That's accessing the pause button and giving yourself um, giving your you know, space for your most creative parts to emerge like, what are my options here for this conversation or this interaction? Or what are my options with food? How can I hit that pause button so that I can make a decision that's in alignment with the person I want to become? So that's the first thing. Gift yourself that time in the morning. If it's two minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever it is, you are worthy of that time. Believe me, you are worthy of that time. And at the end of the day, when you get into bed and you start running through all of the things in your head, all the stuff that you didn't get done in the day, that is demotivating. So get into bed and start running through from the top of the day to the bottom of the day, all the stuff that you did get done and start becoming your own biggest champion. I promise you're going to put yourself to sleep because you will have achieved way more than you'll have given yourself credit for. So there's my two exercises. I think they're super helpful and it's a way to stay motivated, which acts like a fuel for you to keep going. Well, thanks for sharing that. I really appreciate your time. Uh, where can people find you if they want to just follow you? And I mean, I know I found you on LinkedIn, but. Uh, um, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram. It's Jenny M Coaching. My website is JennyMCoaching.com. Give me a follow, shoot me a DM, book a discovery call, whatever feels good. I don't do a sales pitch. I need everybody to know that. Um I don't target people and try and <laughs> enroll them in some program. It's just right. icky and it's not who I am. Yeah, right. I would I would support you in that venture. It's <laughs> a lot of how we go about it. If they don't want to work with us, they don't need to. Uh, one of the things that I'm going to challenge listeners just maybe to follow Jenny is a lot of what she just unpacked this morning was very powerful and yet it's very basic. It's uh, it's not so complicated that we can't figure this out and mm -hmm. the support of other people, just getting that aerial view of maybe what's going on in our life uh, is very important to have that outside perspective. A stat that you may find interesting, Jenny, we've got a gentleman we had on a podcast that had worked for Johnson & Johnson and helped develop their mental health program for their employees. And he had mentioned that I believe it was in the United States or was it in the world that one out of four people are diagnosed with mental health and two out of four that are not diagnosed have it. Mm -hmm. And I would probably argue that in some form or another, every person has, has some type of mental health issue that's worth looking at and addressing. I think it's such a scary thing because of what, what the uh, stigma was behind it. 50 years ago plus uh, it was such a negative thing. I think today it's more about empowering ourselves and learning how to cope and, and recognize situations that are going to maybe throw us a, you know, a little bit off course. Uh, I don't think it's the same thing it once was, but if we can live in a mentally stable and a healthier mindset, it really does change the world that we live in. So I don't know what your thoughts are on that or if you have any closing comments you want to make. I do agree completely with that. Um, and, you know, like I was working with somebody recently and she was trying to give herself time to have lunch and she's a, a medical expert and she's overloaded because that's the problem is people are burnt out and overloaded in in their lives. And it, it comes down to choice. Right. She's like, I only have X amount of minutes in the day to eat my lunch. And I said, how can you steal away 
two or three extra minutes. And she was like, I could go to my car. And we did a little work on that. I was like, so you could eat your lunch in the car and how many minutes would you have? And she's like, I could take 20 minutes. And my question was, are you worthy of those 20 minutes? She's like, dad, straight, I'm worthy of those (laughs) 20 minutes. So that's what it comes down to is knowing that you are worthy of something greater than your current experience. And if you're a person who feels like, you know, life is too much and things are chaotic, I want you to know that I have been where you are and you don't have to stay there. Right. There's, there is a way for you to get help and you can have it on your own terms, even by following somebody like, you know, you guys or somebody like me, you don't have to enroll in something. No. You can follow the content and apply it. Mm-hmm. But right. you said something about intention earlier and that's the, that's the key. You want to make a commitment I am worthy of something greater than my current experience. What do I need to do to keep moving forward and show up for myself? And if it's following somebody online and applying what they, you know, what their suggestions are about habit change or anything else, do it because you're worthy of some of, of something greater. Well, thank you very much, folks. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Jenny Maxwell as much as we have. Please go out and subscribe uh, or follow her and uh, subscribe to our podcast so you get all the updates and just uh, share this, listen to this as many times as you need to. It is uh, truly advice and information that will change your life. And it's what we're all about. We want to make a difference in other people's lives. Uh, We appreciate you joining us, Jenny. And with that, we want to thank you for coming on the Mindset Growth Podcast. Well, thank you for having me. You're both delightful. 